sure you have already some of you who were here when I was last here have already noticed uh, a couple of things that are different well the first one is that uh, last time I was here I almost spilled something so today they made sure that there wasn't anything spillable near me <laughs> so thank you for that very thoughtful and then the second uh, thing is that uh, for on all the occasions that I've come here I've been wearing a suit and a tie and Pastor Byron has been trying to get me to dress down and I was actually going to come uh, to come here today without socks <laughs> but then I thought well you know uh, I won't go that far yet then the day I choose to do that, Pastor Byron is on vacation. So I know if you, if you try to convince him that I was dressed like this, he won't believe you. And maybe there is, is there someone with a camera? <laughs> well, it's good to be here. It's good to be uh, with family. Uh, and uh, well, there is another thing also that you will notice after 11 years of preaching two, three-hour messages, I've finally got the message that uh, you only preach as far as uh, people's attention can hold it. So um, I, I'm not saying you are, you are, you are, you are an ADHD church, <laughs> but we do live in an ADHD culture. So... <laughs> You know, so even though Pastor Jim is here and he might try to encourage me because I'm you <laughs> I will the, the Bible says when you are in Rome do as the Romans do, so I will pay attention to the word of God. Well let, let us pray. Father God, we thank you because you are a good God. We thank you for this time, we thank you for friends and family and uh, we thank you for being with us here today and I ask, O oh Father, that you would speak to us um, the way that you would like to speak to us today. And I uh, thank you, Father, that uh, may I decrease this moment and uh, may you increase and may you be seen in this place in the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. Amen. God is good. He is a wonderful God. Amen. Let's go to the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter says in first in second Corinthians chapter 12 verse 7 and this is the apostle Paul writing and lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations there was given to me a thorn in the flesh the messenger of Satan to buffet me lest I should be exalted above measure for this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. 
Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Amen. This is a, an interesting scripture. Um, and it's really anti the way we live these days and the way that we conduct our Christianity. I was reading this scripture and I'm thinking, man, I wish I was like this man right here. Because what he says here is actually a very, very difficult thing. And a lot of times we have uh, quoted this particular... Mm-mm. Tell you, old age is catching up. We've quoted this particular scripture and we say, you know, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. And, but we have not really um, paid attention to the details of, of, of this scripture. There are not many people who can say what Paul said here and say it honestly. There are not many. Many people who will say, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. There are not many people. If I were to ask you here today, who is happy when they are broke? I see one hand on. I'm completely happy. I see two. I think some people are beginning to get it. Who is completely happy? Who is rejoicing when they are broke? Because the Bible says here, in necessities, when I don't have much. You know, think about this. What is the reason for our coming to God or even, you know, uh, seeking out men of God or women of God uh, and seeking out their prayers and so on. A lot of times it's because of necessities. We are driven by necessities. We are depressed because of the things that we are going through. So we look for people to come and stand with us because of the things that we are going through. Is that not true? Amen. But I believe that God wants to take River Life. God wants to take our ministry in Charlotte, Hope Junction, Salvation. He wants to take us to another level. Where the reason why we come to God is different. We come to God because He is. We come to God because we have to. Because He expects us to. Not because we have a need, but we recognize who He is. And that's a totally different way of conducting your Christian life. Amen. Totally different. You see, if you are like that, then the devil cannot shut your testimony. He cannot. Now, you know, the question is, you know, there are a lot of people who will be saying, well, but uh, I don't have a testimony because I have necessities, because I have persecutions, and so on and so forth. The greatest testimony that you have is that in spite of all the negative things that are going, you still say, God is good. Amen. This was a man, Paul, who was saying, 
I refuse to have necessities shut up my testimony. I refuse to have infirmities compromise my testimony. I refuse. Amen. And I will continue preaching. Guess what? I will continue planting churches. Guess what? I will continue confronting the authorities. I will continue confronting people with power even though I am poor. You know, there are scriptures that tell us that the voice of a poor man, there is a proverb that says the voice of a poor, poor man is not heard. It is true. But you know, don't, uh, you know, don't, 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 don't take that to a, a point that God doesn't want you to take it. It doesn't mean you should shut up. Amen. The one who must hear you is the one who remains with a case uh, with God. But even if you are poor, if God has given you something to say, say it in the name of Jesus. Even if you have gone through distress, even if you have gone through persecutions, even if right now there is nothing good according to the world going on in your life, if God has said something to you, say it in the name of Jesus. If he has given you something, share it. So it's good to hear Bill telling us about his testimony. A testimony which could, you know, immobilize some people. Do you know why people get immobilized? People get immobilized because they don't understand that God has given them a very, very easy out. When you have some things that have happened in your life, share them with somebody, then you don't have a secret with the devil. You don't have anything that the devil will say to you, uh, well, you know, uh, you're standing up there, but you know, you and I know that these things are going on in your life. That is the reason why the Bible tells us, confess even if it is a sin, confess your sins one to another. And when you do that, you know what? God forgives you and you are free to do what he wants you to do. Amen. Amen. The Lord wants to liberate us today. Liberate you from the circumstances that have been immobilizing you. So let's read this again. Let's now read this with different eyes. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. You know, what is it that God is concerned about? God is concerned about the fact that you will be exalted above measure and people won't see Christ in you. They won't see the work of God in you. So, you know, God is concerned about that. So he will let certain things happen. I know this might tremble on your theology, but it's in the word of God. Amen. Well, God doesn't, uh, you know, do this, but uh, doesn't allow things to happen. I am not preaching from a book by, by, by one of the big men of God. I'm not preaching from a book by the greatest evangelist in the, in the world, in a contemporary, but I'm preaching from the Bible. Amen. When you have gone back and forth, you have gone to the places of contemporary revival and, and all that, and you have done it all, you have experimented with everything, you are still going to find you have to come back to this one right here. Amen. And it's got some news that, uh, you know, uh, modern Christians don't want to hear. You know, somebody sent me an email uh, recently, and uh, I remember even making mention of this some time ago when I came to River Life. Uh, you, know, you know, there was this big uh, revival in Brownsville, and I'm sure some of you might even have visited during that time. There was another big revival in Toronto, and, uh, you know, at its height, the revival in, um, 
in, uh, in Brownsville, thousands of people would go through that church every day. There was a, an article in Charisma recently, and they saw a friend of mine send me this email uh, and forwarded this article written by J. Lee Grady, who is the editor of Charisma, who had gone to Brownsville and was seriously impacted by uh, the revival in Brownsville. But now, uh, you know, several years later, uh, the church has gone down to between two and f- uh, 200 and 400 people. Most of the pe- people that used to go to that church, some of them have gone back to the Baptist church, or, and a lot of them are not even attending church. They are very angry. And one of the reasons why they are angry is, uh, well, you know, there are a lot of things that happened. You know, now the fire school is here in Charlotte. You know, there are a lot of things that happened as a result of the revival in Brownsville. And uh, Pastor Kirkpatrick uh, left, and, 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 and when he left, they say that he had said that he was going to be the apostle of the church, uh, uh, and then, but now he has planted a church. This is according to that article. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not spreading gospel. I'm just saying this is what was in the article, that he planted a church about 50 miles from where uh, Pensacola is. So a lot of people got angry. And my question was, why were they going there? Why did they get angry? Why were they going there? This is the biggest problem that we have in Christianity. The biggest problem we have in Christianity is we come to experiences, we come to people, we come to whatever is exalted, we do not come to God. Amen. Even if the greatest revival breaks out at river life, when you go home after you have rejoiced and jumped and jerked and done all stuff, Go and open your Bible and find out if it lines up with this word right here. If it doesn't, you will find a reason to be disappointed for the rest of your life in Christianity. Amen. When you have come to find a solution for the things that are haunting you, you will find incredible reasons to be disappointed, to backslide. I mean, you have all kinds of reasons. But at the end of the day... Open the word of God and find out what it says. Because I'm sure there were some people who were disappointed because they went to Brownsville and they expected all their problems to be solved. And their problems were not solved. Mm -hmm. Amen. Some of them expected their emotional problems to be solved. You You know, some people want an event to resolve the emotional problems that are inside of them. When, you know, uh, uh, you know sometimes you, you, you have to go back to God's Word and find out what it says. Uh, there are a lot of times when the Word of God will tell you, grow up. <laughs> Amen. Be mature. Read the Word of God. Find out what the Word Grow up, grow up, grow up. You know, there are things that Jesus said, for instance, when He was calling His disciples, which if He had said to any one of us, we would have been totally insulted. One of the men that he had called, he says, you know, I, hey, you know, let me go and f- bury my father before I come and follow you. And what does Jesus say? He says, let the dead. He says, your father is dead and so are your relatives. Grow up. Amen. The other one, he says, you know, says, you know, hey, Jesus, let me go and say bye-bye. Let me go and bid my relatives bye-bye. And, and, and Jesus says, uh, you know, uh, he that, uh, what did he say? He that uh, 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 puts his hand on the plow and turning back is not fit for the kingdom. Not fit for the kingdom. 
when Peter came to Jesus, and Jesus is telling Peter what is going to happen to him, how he's going to be killed and then on the third day rise again, and Peter says, you know, what are you talking about, Jesus? Jesus turns to him and he says what? Get thee behind me, devil, devil, Satan. If he had said that to one of the Christians today, if the pastor calls you Satan, or a thief for not tithing, oh, sorry, 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 I didn't mean to go there. <clears throat> You'll be dealing with that for the next five years at River Life. It will be the cause of a split. Amen. So the Bible, I mean, if you read the Bible the way that God wants you to read it, my goodness, there are so many things that the Bible says. You just have to grow up. You have to be strong in your inner man in order to take these truths now. You have to be. So some people got disappointed because some things were not dealt with. So anyway, Paul says, uh, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. Remember what Paul had said before. He had said, A messenger of Satan. So Paul is going to God, and he's saying to God, Lord, I know that this is a messenger of Satan. And God says what? My grace. <clears throat> Could I have some water? Thank you. <coughs> I won't spill it, I promise. <clears throat> What does God say? Okay, let me hear you. What does God say? What does God say? What does God say? There is a wrong teaching about grace. Grace make you, makes you able to cope. Mm. Let me say it again. What grace does, it makes you able to cope. It doesn't necessarily solve all your problems. But it makes you able to cope. You go through life with all the problems facing you, with an ability to walk over them that people don't understand. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, let's start again because this is very very critical if we don't get it we will continue in defeat in bondage Paul says I besought the Lord three times theologically he was in the right place because he was saying hey this is the messenger of Satan and God I have every right to approach you to ask you for your help because this is from the devil. Just as we say, this sickness is from the devil. I am dying. Lord, you know, this cancer is from Satan. Amen. Mm. Okay, I will stay here until our spirits say amen. Because this is where the deliverance is supposed to happen today. Amen. My grace is sufficient for thee. It is sufficient for you. Amen. It is enough. In other words, my grace is enough 
For my strength is made perfect in weakness. And then he says, see, his attitude completely changes. I love these scriptures which show an attitude change uh, when, when, when the Lord has spoken. Not when the Lord has resolved the problem, but when he has spoken. Okay, let's, let's, let's uh, say that again. Because you know something? Uh, some of us here need to be like Daniel who said, God spoke and I was strengthened. Not God gave me money and I was strengthened. No, no, no. I was still in my problem, but the voice of God strengthened me and made me glad. Hallelujah. And you leave church happy, glad, jumping. Why? Because God has spoken. You have understood what God's position in the whole issue is. You have got it. The problem is still there, but you know what God's position in your trouble is. You understand it, you get it. So you come out of church on Sunday afternoon and you are jumping up and down in joy. You go to work, you go into the marketplace and your problem is still there. And the voice of the enemy comes and says, you are a Christian, why are you sick? And you say, his grace is sufficient for me. And the unbeliever doesn't get it. He doesn't know. Why is this? See, that's why they say Christians are crazy. Amen. They're crazy. They, they, what's wrong with these people? Amen. Let me tell you about Simba. Some of you know my young man Simba. Two months ago, he gets diagnosed with Beckett's lymphoma, one of the most aggressive forms of cancer. And you know, because he's a man, you know how we are, we don't go to the doctor. You know? So this, this young man is in Dallas, and for a month he's not eating. Everything that he tries to eat, he throws up. He doesn't go to the doctor. You know? And then, you know, he calls me one day. And, you know, the day that he called me, we were in intercession. And normally I don't answer my phone when we're interceding, when we're in prayer. But that morning, something said, answer the phone. And I answered the phone, and it was Simba on the other line. He says, hey, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I haven't been feeling too good. She said, what's going on? She says, you know, I've been throwing up for the, for the past month. I just want you to pray for me. So we started praying. And then, you know, the Lord told me, you know, tell him to go to the doctor right now. He goes to the doctor. He gets there. Oh, well, in fact, you know, he, he tried going to the doctor. They told him, you know, it was going, they, you know, it would be in eight days before he could see the doctor. So I told him to go to urgent care. So he went there and they got him in the emergency room and then they uh, did a scan and found out he had a 22 centimeter tumor in his stomach. No, no, 14, right? Started off, it was 14 when it, when, when it started. When they, when, they, when they did the first scan. So, uh, so they admitted him to hospital. Between the time they diagnosed it, in, in a few days it had grown from 14 to 20, 22, right? To 20 centimeters in his stomach. So anyway, through the Lord's intervention, you know, we managed to bring him down here and... Uh, uh, got him uh, to be seen by one of the best 
sent the doctors in uh, Charlotte. And uh, within a week of him going into hospital, this thing shrunk to five centimeters. It was just really uh, miraculous. And the Lord is continuing to work in his body. But the reason why I'm telling you this story is, so one day he's sleeping. He's, he's going through chemotherapy and everything. And he's, he's sleeping. And he overhears his nurse in his sleep. The boy is sleeping. And, and he hears in his sleep his nurse talking to a friend in the corridor and saying how, you know, I, I, I can hardly walk today. My hip is just giving me so much pain. I don't know what's wrong with me. So anyway, after a few minutes, the, the nurse walks into his room and then Simba, you know, he wakes up. He says, did I hear you telling your friend that there is something wrong with your hip? And the nurse says, yeah, he says, I'm, you know, it's so painful. I can hardly And Simba says, do you mind if I pray for you? Now, how ridiculous is that? Sounds like Simba. Amen. How ridiculous is that? You are lying in a hospital bed. You, you have all these tubes sticking out. You have, you, know, you have all this chemotherapy going through your body. And you, you hear someone saying, you know, I, 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 you know, my hip is giving me problems. And you say, mind if I pray for you? Do you know what the devil would say in circumstances like that? No, I think I'm the one who needs to pray for you. Hallelujah. So the devil has been saying that to so many people sitting here today. I think you need prayer. <laughs> so anyway, this woman says, Oh, yeah, of course. So she comes up next to Simba. And Simba, from his hospital bed, extends his hand and he says, In the name of Jesus, I pray that you be healed right now. I pray that the pain would go away right now. Amen. When he finishes praying, this woman starts saying, the pain is gone. The pain is gone. Simba is still in the hospital bed. Amen. The mystery of God. When this generation understands that God is a mystery, we are going to be Christians until Jesus comes. Because nothing that will happen will take us away from the faith. There won't be any disappointment. There won't be any reason for you to be disappointed. Because you will come to church and you will pray and some things will happen and some things won't happen. But you will still say, God is good. You will still be able to testify of the goodness of God. Hallelujah. I had another person who, you know, he, I, I used to try and tell this young man because he had read a lot of books about faith. And he believed that, you know, if you were a Christian and, uh, uh, what is this? Oh, if you were a Christian and you were pregnant and you went into, you know, if you're a Christian woman and you were pregnant and you went into the hospital and uh, you couldn't give a natural birth, the doctor said, you know, it's going to be a C-section and you, 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 you know, you, and then you were subjected to the uh, surgeon's knife that you didn't have faith. If this is somebody who used to work in our ministry, didn't have faith. Yeah, I, I, I tried to help this young, young man, you know, but, but you know, some people, they, when, they've, when they've read a lot of books, they cannot be helped. <laughs> you know, they can't. You know. 
So I, I, you know, I tried. So, so anyway, so his wife became pregnant. His wife goes into, into, in, you know, into labor. And it is evident that the boy in this womb is so big, there's no way he can exit. And this poor woman is in labor for a long time and this brother is busy. The doctor still comes in and we need to do a C-section here. Otherwise this boy, this child is going to die. You know? So in the end they did a C-section. When they did a C-section, right, they removed the baby. They found under the baby a sister. And they took the sister out, sewed her up, and she's doing great. And he stood up one day to testify. You know, I used to think that, you know, <laughs> when, uh, you know, if there is uh, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Hallelujah you will be able to survive as a Christian through whatever if you read this passage and make it your theology. Amen. It does not mean we do not pray for people to be healed. We pray with as much passion for people to be healed. Just as much as we accept totally what God says concerning our own condition. We pray with as much passion for people to be healed, for miracles, for things to happen. Amen. At the end of the day, you have to come back to this, to the Word of God. You know? Let me just read one more scripture. And we're going to be done. That was short. Pastor Matthew. Pastor Jim, I think I have, I've, I've almost said everything that... And that's, that's a miracle in itself. You know, God is so good. That's a miracle. John 14:6 is a popular scripture. We all know it. John 14:6, yes. Well, we can, we can start reading at uh, verse 5. Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? We don't know where you are going. How can we know the way? When we don't even know where you are going. Where are you going, Jesus? Where are you going? Everyone say, where are you going? Say, Jesus, where are you going with this? 
Uh, say that a little louder. Say, Jesus, where are you going with this? Then point, your, point at yourself and say, Lord Jesus, where are you going with this? Yeah, yeah okay. Point at yourself and say, where are you going with this? Hallelujah. Doesn't life feel like that many times? You know, you, you don't, you, where are you going? Jesus, where are you going? You know, what are you doing with my life? Amen. What are you doing? I mean, I had it all figured out. What are you doing? I, what's this? I, I thought we were going from here to here. And the way that you have taken me, you know, there's that game that I see where, where you know, people will be trying to block off some, what is it called? Twisters, you know. Doesn't it feel like your life is like that sometimes? You know, it's like, where am I going? You know? You don't look like a human being three quarters of the time. I mean, Lord, make my life more predictable. What's going on? And you know, when we say make it more predictable, we, we mean move me from here and bring me up to here. Let me pay down my mortgage. Let me have some money in the savings so I can go for vacation and, you know, things can be well and, uh, you know, and stuff like that. And if you're a young man or young woman, let me meet a girl or a boy and, uh, you know, let us fall in love. And after we fall in love, let's get married and let's, you know, let's make some money and let's have children and let's buy cars and, oh my goodness, and, you know... If you are somebody who is already middle-aged, then, uh, you know, let me go into retirement with my nest egg. And, and it never seems to work that way. <laughs> Amen. You know what I've discovered about life? Life is, is actually quite interesting because it's not what you have figured out. It is not. It isn't. That's, this is the reason why you and I need to be in Christ and just content. And wherever he takes us, we just go there. Because you, you know what? He has figured it out. That's why he doesn't seem to be going anywhere. Because he has figured it out that it's actually, you know, it's so complex. If you look at him, it looks like he's not going anywhere. But he's going somewhere. Because he is actually going through life, which is a very, very complicated thing. So, you know, Thomas said, uh, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. I don't know where you are going. And how can we know the way? And what did Jesus say unto him? I am the way. Exactly. You're right. I am the... Now, you look, at, look, look at this. Look at this. You see, we are looking at Jesus, trying to find out where Jesus is going, right? Jesus is, is saying, no. Don't look at me and see, try and figure out where I am going. I want you to walk in me. I am the way. See, the problem is that we're trying to figure this Jesus out. We're trying to figure him out in Brownsville and he does a U-turn. We're trying to figure him out in Toronto and he goes another way. We're trying to figure him out through John Wimber and then John Wimber dies of, a, of an illness. Uh-huh. Don't, you know, don't pretend like you don't know. He died, he was sick and he died. Amen. Amen. Is that true or is that not true? Hallelujah. So we, tr we try to figure him out and, 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 and everything and we get so disappointed. We don't know where you are going, Lord. We don't know wh what is this? What's going on? We are so disappointed. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
when you have tried to figure out where I am going, when you have tried to figure out the truth out there, when you have gone to A, B, C, and uh, Iraq and back, you will still need to come to me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Amen. It doesn't matter what you're going through. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It doesn't matter that you are broke. I am the way, the truth, and life. You're not going to come to the Father through prosperity. That, that's not how you come to the Father. You come through me. You know, uh, you're not going to come to the Father through healing. You are going to come to the Father through me. You are not going to come to the Father through the being prophetic. You are going to come to the Father through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Everything is contained in me. When a church ceases preaching Jesus, run away. Amen. When the church starts, in, starts preaching a personality, a person, other than Christ, when the church starts being all we are is prophetic, run away. All we are is healing. Run away. Amen. All we are is whatever they say. Run away. When a church preaches Christ, prophecy is there. Healing is there. Words of counsel are there. Words of knowledge are there. Everything is in Christ. Everything. Things that you don't want to hear are in Christ. The truth of God's word is in Christ. The truth that tells you if you are living with someone before you are married, it is a sin if you are sleeping together. The truth that tells you gay marriage is wrong. It's an abomination. It's there. Amen. The truth that tells you do not forsake the assembling together of the saints as the manner of some is. Oh, is that in the word of God? There. Amen. It will tell you things that you don't want to hear, but you've got to open your ears and receive them in Jesus' name. Now today I just wanted to pray real quick. This was quick, short, and uh, Dean was expecting that I would take two hours. But uh, I've grown up, Dean. <laughs> Amen. Why don't we stand? <clears throat> uh, I'm not going to lay hands on anyone today not because I don't want to but uh, because I really feel that the word of God needs to speak to you okay the, the word of God just needs to, to speak to you uh, because we can exalt a person either because of the abundance of revelation or we can exalt a person either because of something that we feel is going to happen when someone lays hands on us but I just feel today that the word of God needs to speak to you. 
and you just need to you know ask God to show you what you need to deal with uh, you know feel free to come to the altar if you want to pray uh, that you would have this revelation of what God is saying to you my grace is sufficient for you whether you have a, an illness or something you know I think hearing what God is saying in your circumstances is more important than me laying hands on you what is God saying to you in your circumstances what is he saying what's going on where is he going where is he taking you you know doing that is much much more important than, than me laying hands on you so today I want us to pray that we would understand what God is saying in our particular circumstances and if you need to come in and pray and ask God to help you uh, in any way, let's do that. Can we all pray? Uh, just, just, just pray. Oh, uh, we're going to, uh, communion is going to be served. Oh, what a wonderful thing. Yeah, yeah. Today is the day for communion. And, and you know, I, I, I love communion because... You know, a lot of times, you know, you come to a church and people are serving communion and, and people have, have become so tired of, of hearing the same things said from God's word concerning communion. But you know what? We need to understand the importance of this. Some of our sins really are in the area of not understanding that God is in our circumstances. His grace is sufficient for us. His blood is sufficient for us. He will take us through whatever we are going through. And we will be, we are okay in Jesus' name. So let us pray right now and I'll turn this over to Pastor Matthew after this. Let's, let's just pray. Just open your lips and I want to encourage you today. Maybe you've never prayed in public or just open your lips and just begin to pray in the name of Jesus. Let's hear you pray. Raise your voice today in the name of Jesus and say, thank you Lord for your grace Lord. Your grace is sufficient for me Lord. And Thank you Father for your people. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Lord. Thank you Father. Your grace is sufficient for your people, O oh Lord. It is sufficient, O oh God. It is sufficient for the one who has a, what doctors have called a terminal disease here today, O oh God. Your grace is sufficient, O oh Father. The one who is going through relational challenges, O oh God, I ask, O oh Father, that they would recognize that your grace is sufficient for them in the name of Jesus. The one who has challenges at work, O oh God, in the marketplace, O oh Father, your grace is sufficient for them in the name of Jesus. All is well, O Oh, Father, and I ask, oh Father, right now, may you turn on the tap of joy. Pour joy into this congregation right now. For even as Paul said, I will gladly, I will gladly go through the things that I'm going through. I ask, oh my Father, that you turn right now, Lord, this spigot on in the name of Jesus, and you would fill this congregation with a joy that passes understanding. We glorify your name, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen, Pastor.